Hey guys, you're listening to Beyond the Lead here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Um, my name is Amelia Winger, and joining me today is Alyssa Biederman. Do you want to say hi? Hey. So, um, as we said, this is Beyond the Lead, and as you guys know, this is a collaboration with the Temple News, where we're bringing their reporters on air after their stories have been published to give us a little bit more of that behind-the-scenes look of what their actual reporting process looked like. So, um, that'll be coming up later, but before we get into all of that, Alyssa, how are you doing today? How's your semester going? It's been a while since, like, any of us have been on air. Yeah, um, I'm doing pretty okay today, but... This semester's tough, like, it's my senior year, and everything's online, it's just a lot to handle. <laughs> what about you? No, I can definitely empathize with that, and this is your last semester too, right? Like, I can only imagine, like, how many thoughts must be coming through your head right now with all this. Yeah, like, applying for jobs is added, and, like, I don't, I haven't met half of my professors, it's just a very interesting time, uncertain times, as everyone says. <laughs> No, I feel like it's so cheesy and cliche to say that at this point, but like there's no other way to kind of like wrap it up. So <laughs> I definitely feel you on that. This semester has definitely my been dad, like. My dad put on like the family whiteboard calendar, like just all over the whole thing. Instead of like scheduling anything, it just says uncertain times and like bad boy handwriting. <laughs> and I think it's really funny. Like it just sums everything up. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's dive into it. I don't want to keep everyone waiting too long because I'm sure everyone's just on the edge of their seat in anticipation right now. So um, as we said, this show is a collaboration with the Temple News who just published a new edition this morning. Um, so we took two of the stories that ran in print this morning and we're going to be bringing their reporters on air later during our second and third talk breaks. But um, before we get into any of that, we wanted to go over a little of what the story was about with you guys. So that way you could actually understand like what was going on before we really went behind the scenes of everything. So this first article was called Food Vendors Struggle to Stay Afloat, and it was by B.B. Correa. So um, Alyssa, do you want to give the rundown on this one? Yeah, so Baby interviewed the owners of some of Temple's big restaurants like Eddie's Pizza, The Crepe Truck, Ian E. Gourmet Express, and Yummy Pho about how they feel about so many students leaving campus, especially since their businesses um, just reopened. For anyone who doesn't know, Temple decided to suspend in-person instruction for 95% of classes because we've had an outbreak of cases on main campus, so a lot of students have decided to return back to their hometowns for the rest of the fall semester. Um, but these food trucks, as Bibi found out, have been like kind of moving around to try and make ends meet. Some owners expanded their services to include takeout options and they use delivery services like Uber Eats and DoorDash. Um, some of the owners said they may have changed their reopening plans if they had known that students would be going home so soon after coming back. And some of these owners are also worried that they'll have to start working other jobs to make ends meet as well. Um, the Temple News had previously spoken with the owners of the footlong food truck, Richie's, and Fame's Famous Pizza on August 25th, where many expressed they were excited to have students back on campus and were concerned about what would happen when they left at the end of the semester. Some standout quotes from this piece were, We open wherever the students are, said Laro, the owner of Eddie's Pizza at the Wall. If they aren't here, we don't have any other options. 
another one is we wouldn't have opened because we spent 3000 this week just on buying food. And now, like you see, it's empty here. So we just spent 3000 for no reason, said Penelope Curiosis, owner of the crepe truck. We wouldn't have been able to afford to stay open if there's only a few people coming to get food, she added. Yeah, so when I was first reading through this article, like, this definitely, like, broke my heart a little bit, and I can only imagine what it must have felt like to be BB and, like, actually see these people's faces as they're talking about it, because, like, I know that for a lot of Temple students, like, the food trucks are, like, this fun little quirky thing about campus, but, like, for these people, like, this is their livelihood, like, this is everything to them, and it's just, like, like, it's out of their hands, completely out of their control, and it's just being, like, completely ripped away, so, like, I know that one of the things that we went on to talk to Bibi about in our interview is that the university really isn't doing anything right now to try to support these food business owners as they try to navigate through the pandemic. So do you think that Temple should be doing anything to, like, try to step in right now and help them out? Um, I think by not doing anything, Temple is completely ignoring, like, the entire like importance of these food trucks to the university. I know that most students, because like half of the student population lives off campus, um, this is where they get their food. And I know a lot of my friends who are living off campus um, have been having kind of problems like eating because they don't have meal plans or anything. So I do think that Temple should be helping out these food trucks because they're a huge draw for most of the student population. And I think they also use it a lot as like an advertising point for admissions. Like, I don't, I don't know um, what it was like. I never actually went on like an official tour of Temple when I was deciding to come here. But I remember I've always seen it like talked up as like one of the fun things about campus that sets us apart from other regions. So if the university is going to be upholding the food trucks as like this big pillar of like, this is something that sets us apart. This is something that makes us unique and it's a reason why you should come here. They should also like have that responsibility to support them when times get hard. Like they don't get to just pick like pick and choose whenever it's convenient for them. And like, I granted, I don't really know what support from the university would look like. Like, I get that these are not affiliated with the university, so I don't know what that support would look like, but I I don't know, it does kind of break my heart that the university is gonna lean on them a lot when times are good, but then just kind of like cast them aside when things get hard. I agree that like, I don't know what Temple's support would look like for these food trucks. I know that I've like talked to a couple of the, of the workers just as I'm getting food and they've said that, you know, like having the diamond dollar uh, card swipe thing helps them a lot. And I know they say that they pay like rent to leave their trucks on campus. So maybe Temple could provide to them in some way, some sort of like relief with these kinds of costs that they have to put up out front. But yeah, I definitely think that Temple needs to be doing more for these trucks. I think like, I think what the food trucks are going through right now, too, is just, like, so emblematic. Like, it's not like it's a problem that's unique to Temple's campus. Like, this is something that food business owners across the nation are just, like, struggling to deal with right now. And it's just the nature of a pandemic itself. So have you noticed any other, like, successful business strategies that just, like, any other restaurants that you've been going to have been incorporating that maybe the food trucks could try to, like, could try out here? Um, yeah, I've seen... 
a couple of things. I know that some of the restaurants that I go to a lot have been either like developing their own apps to order food or giving like discounts when you um, order to go or something like that. And I feel like that's something that could maybe help the food trucks. I don't know about you, but if the food trucks decided to, I don't even know how this works if they don't have like an industrial kitchen somewhere, but if they decided to, you know, close their front um, store and then let people order online, even like pre-packaged food that doesn't have to be hot, I would definitely support them. I know that Reading Terminal Market did something like this where you could order it off of like some digital app and go and pick up your food at certain times and that's a way that's safe and that would probably be more accessible to people outside of Temple's campus even. Yeah, I I think that that's like a great idea and I hadn't even thought of that. Like I didn't even have like any real ideas in mind of like things that I thought that they could do, but that is a really fantastic idea. Definitely food for thought and that was not supposed to be a joke at all. But um all right guys, we can um we can change gears after that. Um So this next article does deal with a sensitive subject matter, particularly about behaviors associated with disordered eating. For anyone who may be struggling with this, please call the National Eating Disorder Association's helpline at 800-931-2237, or if it's an emergency, text NEDA to 741741. We'll be changing the subject at around 6.15 for anyone who might wanna step away for a few minutes, And I'll give a quick pause right now for people to mute their volume just in case. Great. Okay. So, um, so this article is called how thrifting healed my self-esteem and the author Molly McGowan describes how she overcame her personal struggles with body image, disordered eating, and her self-esteem. She said that she's always loved fashion and clothes. But when she was younger, she always shopped at mainstream stores because she thought the clothes there would be more accepted by her friends and peers. However, once she started college, she said that she began changing her relationship with food, particularly by eating intuitively. Although she was becoming healthier, she said it was hard because she began gaining weight, which is something that's so incredibly stigmatized by U.S. society. And that was really a challenge for her because she felt like her body was finally becoming the size it was meant to be. As her body changed, she realized she needed to buy new clothes, which is what led her to fall in love with thrift shopping and ultimately embrace her individual style. I think this really stuck out to me, not only because Molly is a really powerful writer, but because it's something that a lot of college students can empathize with, regardless of gender or size, just like this this idea of being uncomfortable in your body. So I was wondering, how can we make our campuses more size inclusive and body positive spaces? Yeah, this one is really hard because, I mean... I think a lot of it has to do with the media and how college is portrayed Um, because you see these movies like American Pie and like all those classic like college 90s movies and all the girls in it are like super tiny, like they work out all the time, like they're your stereotypical kind of like blonde beauty that we've been pushed in the media Um, and I think that's kind of the first problem is that going into college, if that's how you're expecting it will be, there's like a lot of pressure to look like that and feel like that. Um, 
I don't know if I have a good suggestion for making campus um, more body positive. I know there's a lot of campus orgs right now that are working on that, which I love. They work on, you know, like body positivity and also like being healthy. And then I know there's like Campus Curls, which works on like being happy with your natural hair. And I think that's great. Um, But I also don't think that it should be like on the student body to maybe uh, like push, push that like positive energy. I think that that there's some stuff that that the administration could do as well, but I'm not really sure what that is right now. No, I agree with that. And I think it's also something that like organizations on campus could be making a point to do too, because like we learn from the leaders that we see. So I think that it's like, it's one of those things that there's just no good answer because I don't think that like, it's not like college students are the root of the problem. Like I think it's just like a societal, like systemic problem. So Yeah, I think that it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so hard to find an actual answer outside of what we can all individually do for ourselves. But on a bit of a lighter note, um, one of the things that Molly talks about in this, and one thing that she told me about was that like how she loves thrift shopping because she always finds something like new and interesting every time. So have you been thrift shopping since the pandemic began? Because I haven't yet. And I'm like so curious to see what it looks like and if it's different from like everything that like we've come to know and love about it. Oh my God, Amelia, I literally love thrift shopping, but I have not been since the pandemic um, started. I'm not really like, like, I guess I am a little bit scared um, just to go because like the fun of thrift shopping is just digging through stuff that like smells kind of weird and (laughs) finding treasures. And I feel like during the pandemic, that might not be like the best thing for me. Um, But what I have been doing is like, there's all these online apps and stuff where you can thrift shop like online and that's been my go-to I literally just ordered clothes from there yesterday so it's funny that you brought this up (laughs) that's so funny I'm going through shopping for the first time this weekend so I'll definitely keep you posted on how it goes definitely I think that's going to bring us to our first talk break so we'll see you in five minutes and joining us will be BB to talk about the food truck story so um stick around and we'll talk to you soon And we are back. My name is Amelia, and you're listening to Beyond the Lead here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Before the break, we gave you guys a rundown of some of the articles published in the print edition of the Temple News this morning. Now, we're going to take it one step farther and speak with the reporters themselves. So joining me right now is Bibi Correa, the reporter behind the article on how local food trucks and vendors are staying afloat amid the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, before we get into talking about your article itself, I wanted to learn a little bit more about you. So would you be able to tell me a little bit more about what you do at the Temple News and how long you've worked there? Oh, man. Okay, so I've been at the Temple News for since my freshman year, so almost three years now. And um, I started off as a freelancer, and then I was assistant teacher last year, and now I'm the managing editor. So I basically just like help the editor-in-chief a lot and I'm like basically like her right hand and um, I kind of like help finalize all sections. I help do um, some of like the restructuring of like some stories and I kind of like just help get things, you know, move things along. Definitely. 
And so in looking at this article itself, you interviewed a lot of the food business owners who are on campus about what it's actually been like now that they just reopened their businesses only to have students leave campus. So I was wondering, first off, how did you pick which businesses to interview? Honestly, that one was really just a matter of who was open. I really just like walked around and tried to see like people who were open and people who were kind of like willing to talk. Some people who are open were kind of like a little um, apprehensive just because they maybe didn't like understand my questions and what I was asking. So some of them were like, hey, like, can I call you back? Some people weren't there. I, I know I like went to Philly style and the manager wasn't there. So like I just told them to call me back. Um, so it was really just not of like people who are open and people who are willing. That was actually my next question for you. Um, were they act- were they open to talking with you? For the most part, they were. Um, I think the kind of the issue with the story I found was that not like issue issue, but like most people just didn't know what to do. And that was just like the main thing that was going on. So some of the interviews were kind of short because like they like they were willing to talk, but like they were just like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Definitely. And I wanted to go back to what it was actually like interviewing those food business owners. So where did you interview them? And did you get to like see the looks on their faces and like the concern or anything like that? Yeah, so I actually, like, went out on campus that day, um, and I just, like, went, like, literally, I walked across campus and um, interviewed just, like, a bunch of people, and it was, like, again, everyone had masks on, but, like, it doesn't matter, because you can kind of still, like, tell, like, how sad they were, like, I remember the one owner, Eddie's Pizza, he was probably, like, that was really sad, because he looked, he was just, like, I don't know what to do, and I have no idea, like, what I'm going to do. And it was just disheartening to hear because, like, like I felt like I, I wanted to help them, but I didn't really know how, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And how did that feel for you as a reporter then to see all these people going through these really emotional moments and then just have to take that in? I honestly, like, it kind of made me want to write the story even more because I was like, wow, like, this is their reality. And I need people to see that this is their reality. And while they can't, you know, see the faces, the same ones I did when I was interviewing, they can hear their stories. And you can just, even from the quotes, the quotes aren't that long, but just what they're saying, you can tell that they're literally, they have no clue what's going on. And I'm just hoping it kind of inspires students to like, students or faculty or anyone who's still on campus to like, go out and try like their hardest to support these drugs. Absolutely. And the Temple News had actually spoken with a lot of these food business owners a couple of weeks before this article was published about what it was like reopening their businesses for the start of the semester. And you helped to edit that article, right? I did. I did help edit that. So can you tell me what it was like going out to talk with those food business owners again, literally three weeks later after publishing that article? It was like in that article, so in the first one, they were like very excited. They were like, okay, we're back on campus. Like things are, they expected things to be like slower, you know, but they were ready and they were so willing to, you know, be out there. I think one of the, like the, really one of the main um, interviews that like struck out to me was um, Penelope from uh, the Crave Truck Philly. She was just like, I am a hard worker and I don't like not doing anything. And she found it like super hard. Um, now like because now she 
she was like ready to start off the semester, but then with the move to college online, she's just like, business is slow. Like, it's not like how it used to be. And, you know, well, it was expected. Like, she was just like, I, I just, I don't think we can be open. Yeah, absolutely. And what were the other interviews like with some of the other food business owners? Because you mentioned Eddie and you mentioned Penelope, but there were a couple other business owners you talked with, right? Yeah, there um, there were. There was uh, a truck that owner of Uni's, um, Gourmet Truck. Uh, it's like right in front of the SAC. And he basically, like, that interview was very quick because he was just like, I literally, like, I don't know. He was just, he was just like, business is slow. And he was just like, if it keeps like this, like, I don't see a reason to stay open. Um, so I was just like, at that point, I was just like, oh, man, like, that's, that's so sad to hear. Some people, though, were, you know, um, a little bit, like, more positive. Um, I talked to the owner of Yummy Fa, and they've basically been doing a lot of deliveries. Like, that's how they've been staying afloat. Um, they've either been doing it through their own services, um, cause they have like drivers or they've been doing it through services. Like I think they have Grubhub and Uber Eats. I believe they do both of those. Oh, okay. And after doing all of those interviews, what was like the most powerful moment that came from those conversations? Um, I think the most powerful moment was honestly like, being able to like write the stories, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was able to sort of just quit and like compartmentalize everything and be like, okay, like what is the story that I want to tell? And like, how do I want to tell it? Definitely, definitely. And were there any moments that surprised you while you were talking with all of these different food business owners? Um, honestly, I guess just how quickly they kind of knew that they had to close down like I thought maybe some of them would be able to like stay on campus for at least like a couple months but for the most part like they're I think they're trying and some of them like I walk around campus and I still see them open but for the most part like it's it's pretty much like they're kind of stuck and they're probably like their best thing to do is just to close Mm -hmm. and you're as a student how does that make you feel because food trucks and like food businesses are such a big part of Temple's culture yeah, it was just really sad because I remember even when I was going out canvassing and like, you know, trying to talk to them, I noticed, I was like, wow, there is nobody on campus. And I think it was like a weekday, you know what I mean? So I was just like, wow, like this just doesn't feel like campus is, you know what I mean? And I think people who maybe are off campus kind of don't realize what it's like to be on campus. But when you're here and you see like that these trucks are empty and that you hear they're like suffering, you're just like, wow, like everything's really changed. Definitely, definitely. And did you face any challenges while writing this article? I think... I think my main challenge was just trying to, like, find enough people. Like, again, it wasn't that people weren't willing, it's just that a lot of people weren't open. Um, So I think going out and trying to find, like, a bunch of, like, diverse um, food places. Like, I, you know, went to the wall went to like food trucks and went to like a standalone restaurant um and you know I tried to be like diverse but at some point it was like a little bit difficult definitely and what's one thing that you heard from all of these different food business owners that students should know I think they just they want students to be on campus as much as we want to be on campus and they, you know, they want to feel supported by the university um, and its students. So I think 
students should take that information and, you know, use it and go and try and to support these businesses as much as they can. I know with the pandemic, I know money can be a little bit tight right now. Um, but, you know, if, if, um, if anyone's able to, like, I think they should. And is the university doing anything to support these food businesses? No, not at all. They didn't even tell the, the food businesses that they were going to go online. They found out through social media or each other. Oh, my God. And do the food business owners want the university to do anything to support them? Like, are there any options that they're talking about? They, I guess, just wanted to feel like a little bit more included. You know what I mean? Like, of course, the university is dealing with its own issues. None of them really, like, said that they wanted, um, like, any help from the university. They really just said that they wish they knew so that they could have better prepared. Because, like, I remember, um, Trust Billy, like, they were just, like, if I would have known the university was going online, like, they wouldn't have even opened. I can only imagine how hard that must be for them. Like, especially since it's, like, you spend so long, like, gearing up for that opening moment and something that's, like, so out of their hands. And um, just as, like, in wrapping things up today, too, like, do you plan to write any follow-ups to this story? I am not sure. I think if we notice that they're, like, trucks are like really dead and there's like nothing that's going on i think it might be worth like a follow-up it it would be short but i think it might be like worth mentioning to be like hey like this is what's going on this is like the reality um if not and even i guess on the flip side too like if this is seem to like pick up for whatever reason i think um it would be worth mentioning to like include that because right now they're like really kind of at the I don't know phase, and I think um, only time will tell what's going to happen to them. Definitely. And are there any other thoughts you have about reporting this article that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I don't think so. I just think um, this story is one of the ones that I'm, like, really proud of. I, you know, it's very disheartening um, hearing them tell me their stories, and then I'm just going to, like, I literally just leave and then, like, have to process that. Because I, I don't know what it's like to be them, but, like, I, you know, I try to imagine. And it's just, I just feel like it really put everything into perspective. It's definitely changed my outlook on, like, what I do and what I spend my money on while I'm here. But I'm hoping, like, I really am hoping that it does something that's just, like, for me, that is enough. That at least it's written and it's out there. And, like, people can then take that and do what they will with it. Um, and that, like, that for me is almost, that's as much as I can really do right now. Cause I, you know, if I could give every food truck, like money, I would, but like, I can't. So, um, this is the next best thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us about your article today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. I'm going to turn off the record right now. Go ahead. And we are back. You're listening to Beyond the Lead here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Um, So before the break, we were talking with Bibi Correa about her article about how um, local food businesses have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, particularly here on Temple's campus. 
Um, and now as we're beginning to transition gears to our next article, I do want to put another content warning right here just because um, this is the article that does mention um, behaviors associated with disordered eating. Um, as we mentioned uh, during our first talk break, if this is something that you're struggling with, please call the National Eating Disorder Association's helpline at 800-931-2237 or if it's an emergency, text NEDA to 741741. And we'll also be changing the subject at the top of the hour. So if this is something you might want to tune out for, then definitely catch our next show starting at 7. All right, so let's get into it. Here's Molly. Um, just before we get into the article itself, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about what you do at the Temple News and how long you work there? So I'm actually just a freelance writer. I've written, um, this would be my second article I've written for them. Um, I had a friend that worked at Saxby's with me, Tyler Perez, he's an editor there. And he um, reached out to me last April and thought I'd be really good for their um, music issue. So I wrote an article about SZA's album Control and like how it related to my own life. So I just loved the experience of writing for a paper. So then I reached out um, to the opinion editor this year and was like, if there's any pitches, I'd love to hear them, I'd love to write. And then she um, sent me this one for the intersection issue and I was really excited about it. So that's where I like started writing this article and I plan on working with them further. Like if they send me pitches, I like, I'd love to keep writing for them. It's been a really positive experience so far. And is this your first time like really writing or is writing something that you've done for a long time? So I've always loved writing. In high school, I definitely gravitated towards more like my language arts classes and I loved writing papers. I loved opinion writing, personal writing, and I never really found like a way to do that in, in college. So then when my friend Tyler was like, oh, we'd love you for you to write this. And I did. I was I was like, oh, my God, this is so fun. Like, I can really see myself doing this. So I'm just getting into it now. And actually, I'm also um, a part of her campus. I'm a new member of that. So I'm going to be an arts and entertainment writer there and focus on like music reviews and just like music commentary and opinion essays about music. So that's kind of where I fall into the writing of all of it. I really do like it. That's so exciting. I hope that you do well with her campus. And um, <laughs> you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to circle back to it. So how did you decide to write this essay? So it was, so the pitch was basically, what is something that you've had to like overcome or something that you feel like has like, I'm trying to think of the right phrasing, like something that, something that you've found is an issue and like has been personal to you. And so when I was in high school, I had a like a pretty bad eating disorder and I never really noticed it. And then I came to college and like really started eating intuitively and not restricting and like eating what I wanted to. And I feel so much happier and healthier now, but I've gained, I've gained some weight, which is normal because I think I was too thin for my body type back then. So now I do fall into like plus sizes. I'm a size 16, 18 and shopping has been, a nightmare in retail stores and malls and stuff like that and it's just like so frustrating that like like fashion and trends are so limited for women who are plus size and like fall into those like 16 18 sizes and I've just noticed that when I'm thrifting that shopping anxiety like doesn't even 
enter my mind. I can always find a size I like, like trends that I like. I don't find a hard time like finding different pieces, jeans, tops, dresses, and I always do in retail stores. And it's such a limited option in retail stores. So that's why I was like, oh, this essay would be great because I've been thrifting a lot since being back in the city. And I just thought that maybe other people have felt this way or maybe it could like spark interest in thrifting for some women who feel the same way I do in, in malls and retail. Absolutely. And how long has this idea kind of been like floating around in your head? So I'm pretty new to like thrifting for, for most pieces. Like still, I still go shopping like, and I try to get what I can in my sizes in like retail stores. But my um, boyfriend actually just got a job at Urban Exchange, which is in um, Fishtown. And I've been shopping there. And I just think it's such a pleasant experience because it's, it's very affordable. It's, excellent for the environment like it's a great option instead of fast fashion anyway and I just feel comfortable in the pieces like it's good quality pieces I can always find my sizes whether I want it to fit a little tighter a little looser so I've just like the second I read the, the um the pitch I was like oh this is a great idea I it's really new to me too so it's going to be fun to write about it and kind of explore like my own thoughts like as I was thinking about how I felt I was writing it down too which is kind of an interesting process so yeah. <laughs> and I want to go back to that moment when you were sitting down to write that first draft. So like, how did it come out? Was it all these little chunks? Was it just kind of like spilling out of you? Like, Yeah, so I definitely like was reflecting on my own experiences, like shopping with my friends in the mall when I was thinner, but with an eating disorder in high school versus now when I am a size 16, 18, and a bit, a bit bigger, a bit curvier, and just how happier I feel now still, even though I have to face that like sizing adversity and like fat phobia, but I just feel so much healthier and so much better and so much less pressure to like be a smaller jean size. And I mean, it's, it wasn't even very rewarding being able to fit into retail fashion. So I just kind of reflected on that, like, how have I, how's my body changed? Like, how has that affected my shopping? And I do have a bit of shopping anxiety when I go out and I pick up the biggest size of jeans in a store and they still don't fit me. That's not the best feeling in the world. I'm very proud of my body. I do love my body, but of course, every once in a while I get self-conscious and I have those anxious thoughts. And then I was just kind of thinking about like, wow, when I'm thrifting, that doesn't happen. Like, I don't have those thoughts because... The, the best thing about secondhand is that it's coming from the society. Like it's clo clothing coming from Americans that have been previously worn. And retail doesn't really supply clothing for all Americans. The average size of a woman is a 16 in America. And that's a fact I don't think a lot of people know. Like, and most retail stores go up to like a 12, maybe 14. So there's so many women who like truly can't find their size in malls. So I was really excited because when you're thrifting, it's coming from, it's coming from users. It's coming from the consumer. So there's so much more sizing from what I've experienced. I know not my experience isn't everybody's, but I definitely feel like when I'm thrifting, I can find things in my size and in retail, I can't. And I just think retail stems from a lot of fat phobic ideas and that ideal body type. Like we see Instagram models, we see ad campaigns with thin women and Thin women are beautiful. That's a natural body type too. It's just, it's really 
it's hard on young women like me and like others where you're never represented in the media and the and your clothing size is not available and all the latest trends and I feel like in thrifting I can really find those things and I don't feel that pressure from the retail fashion industry absolutely and one of the things I love most about this piece was just how completely vulnerable you were in it like it read so raw and I think that that's what made it like so easy to empathize with and so I was wondering how did that feel to be that vulnerable in print like did you have any nerves anxiety about opening up like that definitely it's I'm very new to talk about my new my new body size and my new experiences I think for a while I'm a junior and I think for a while like when I was gaining weight my freshman year gaining a little bit of weight in my sophomore year I was very insecure about it and I always looked at myself as like an after product of like my skinnier body when I was a senior in high school so it's it still is hard to be raw and vulnerable and really like reflect on my own thoughts but I think that's what I think like if I were to read someone's piece, I'd want that kind of vulnerability. So it's only fair to give it to my future readers. And it's definitely a challenge. Like I cried a little bit when I was writing it. Like, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to talk about my body image and my self-worth, but I mean, I think I've come such a long way. So it's really exciting to be able to write things like this and publish them and just, it's, it's therapeutic. I really think writing has been very therapeutic for me. And I'm really excited to keep doing it. So it was definitely, it was hard being vulnerable, but I think it was the only way to go about this for myself and for my readers. And that kind of ties into my next question for you, actually. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so how has writing this essay impacted your self-esteem and your relationship with your body? For sure. Um, it makes me feel really proud to be plus size. <laughs> um, I was counting calories. I felt miserable when I was really thin. I mean, I felt like I was getting validation from my peers, which is why I kept up with my habits and like tried to maintain that size eight. But it just, it's, it wasn't natural. I wasn't eating the things I wanted to be eating. I was restic restricting, I was binging and purging. It was, it was horrible. And I mean, looking back now and having like an outlet to share how I felt and how I feel now, has just been so gratifying, like so rewarding for myself. I feel really proud to be in my body. I'm healthy. Like we're in a global pandemic. It's taken me through some of the hardest health months of my life. And I feel very thankful to be in it. Very thankful that I do have thrift stores and secondhand shops to like find pieces that I feel really comfortable in. And just makes me really proud to be in the skin I'm in so happy to hear that. Like, I think that this is something that so many students can relate to. And so I think hearing someone having a positive experience with this, because we so often hear about the negative is something that's just like, like everyone just needs that right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic, because I know it's exactly. really harder for so many people. And so I was wondering also, is there anything that you wanted to include in the essay that didn't make it to the final draft? I think... I try to keep my essays like I was here and now I'm here and I've made so much progress, but I still struggle with body image all the time. I like to be transparent in that fact that like, I still like when I'm thrifting, it's not 100%. I'm not always like, oh, this fits great. Like it's, it's hard being, being a size 18 in this society. I mean, society has set us up to believe that we should lose weight and that we're too big and that, oh, you're unhealthy because you're plus size. 
I live a very healthy lifestyle. I work out, I eat what I want to, I'm never too crazy on the, on the sweets and, uh, you know, fatty foods, but I'm not also a health freak. Like I really love to be in sync with my body and listen to what I eat. So I think it's important that like my readers and your listeners know that it's still a struggle. I still, I still parts of me feel like I should be thinner, but I think a lot of that is just societal pressure and those, those expectations they put that are just, they're meaningless. I mean, body size, some people are naturally curvier women like me. Like I was not, I'm, it wasn't, wasn't right when I was thin. Like I'm meant to be curvier. So I think it's just important for them to know that like, it's still, it's still a fight I have to, I have to battle with and that I still have some negative thoughts, but I try to remember how far I've come and how much happier I am. And that is, I think mental health and happiness surpasses everything on a priority scale. And I just feel really happy. So I think it's important that they know that there is like that silver lining in the feelings of um, self-esteem issues and body shaming. It does get better. That's so powerful. Thank you. (laughs) And um, what's the biggest thing that you'd want readers and listeners to take away from your experience? I want them to know that although social media and the fashion industry tells us that being big means you're unhealthy and that you need to change or you need to try to work to fit into a size they offer in stores, that's, it's garbage. It's garbage. Some of us are naturally bigger and some of us have come a long way to feel comfortable in our bodies. So we shouldn't let the fashion industry make us feel shamed and ashamed of who we are and the, and our, our curvy body and our fat and our boobs. Like I want us to be comfortable in what we're wearing. And I have really found that comfort in thrifting. I feel the most comfortable I felt shopping in years when I'm going thrifting. I always find great pieces and it just makes me feel really comfortable in my body. And the sizing selection is almost always better than that of retail. And as we wrap up here today, are there any other thoughts about this topic that we haven't discussed yet that you want to share? I just, like I, I've, I've mentioned this, but I, I do want to know that, like, want to note that this experience is like my own. I have talked to some other plus size women in my life and they feel similarly, but I do want to know that like, if that's not your experience, I'd love to hear about it. Like, because I, I'm on like, I'm on the like, like the lower side of plus side sizes. And sometimes it is just truly hard to find sizing anywhere in society. And I just want to stress that like, like we can get through this, like although society tells us that we shouldn't have clothes and we can't be trendy, that's not true. And that I'd love to hear about my readers and listeners experiences in the fashion industry because it's something I'm always thinking about and I always want to improve upon. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on air today and for, for having me. time with us and for all of our listeners. Again, if you're interested in checking out the article, please pick up a print copy of the Temple News or check it out on their website. We'll link it in our bio. So thanks awesome. for thank you.